All right, Kev, what a sports weekend we just got done with. And somehow with the Super Bowl and an elevated golf event at the most exciting crowd in sports, it's still not more exciting than one tweet, which leads to the great comeback of LT Gray. Oh, I'm excited, dude. <laughs> yes, sir. Big week. Tiger, everything just seems elevated when he plays. Like the the coverage is better. I feel like the, the players play better. The people people are excited that he's playing in the event. Players and fans, obviously. Um, so yeah, good, very much excited for this week coming up. Great uh, weekend last weekend of sports to recap. So overall, solid weekend for sure. Yeah. Awesome. And before we get into Tiger's return and a preview of next week, I know we're a golf podcast and we don't get into the conspiracy theories, but I just got to get everybody's talking about this. So I just got to we got to address it. I understand that sometimes it's better for leagues to market and promote and ensure the success of their young stars. I know that the NBA has a thousand conspiracy theories about, you know, rigging the lottery and what they did with Jordan and not, you know, not suspending him for gambling. But what I saw yesterday when I saw a league elevate its young star, what I felt to be outside of the rules of the game is not a place that I think I'm willing to go. When Scotty Scheffler has a 10-foot putt on 18 and a rules official just jumps out of the crowd and moves it to two inches to make sure that he wins that tournament, that's not what I, Oh, my bad. My bad. Golf isn't scripted. I was, of course, referring to the Super Bowl where I feel like I feel like I wasted a couple hours of my life just to watch the referees decide yet another Kansas City playoff. Um, and put them in position for chip shot game winning field goals. It's good stuff. It's uh, it's good stuff. Good stuff. I'm glad yeah. that we do a podcast on a real league with real <laughs> outcomes and stuff like that just doesn't happen. Yeah, that was tough to see. So I went, um, as I as I told you, I went you know over to a friend's house. He had maybe like 10, 15 people over. So I went in, not the most obviously most exciting Super Bowl if you're coming in as a Patriots fan, like not a lot to be excited about either way. I found myself, I was sort of somewhat rooting for the Eagles just because I my hatred for the Chiefs is so severe. But uh, but anyway, I, I I went in with the mindset was like, okay, I'm not I'm not gonna focus so much on the game. I'm gonna try to like focus more on the stuff that like other people are like like I wa- I'm gonna I'm gonna pay attention to the halftime show and I'm gonna enjoy the appetizers and really just try to and, and everything was going great. The game was what a great. weird life. Yeah. Yeah. The game was great until the until the end, and and just when that call happened, I, and really like I, I found myself, at, I really wasn't paying attention like as closely as I normally do to the game, and I I found myself at this party and I'm like nobody here is paying like there were a couple of like Chiefs there, there was a girl who was who was from Kansas Kansas so like of course like. You can understand why she's a Chiefs fan. And then a couple other people who were rooting for the Chiefs, but I was like, nobody here is actually watching the game. Like, no one's saying it. And when that holding call happened, I was, I like had an outburst. I was just like, it's, oh, it's here, come the, here come the refs again, just to save. And everyone was like, whoa. Like, yeah. I was like, no. It wakes like, the sports fan up in you, regardless <laughs> of whether you have an interest or not. It, it legitimately has felt these last two games like it's just not competitively fair. I don't like it. It's not good for the product. It makes me think it's not worth my time to watch because at some point, 
the referees are going to intervene and wreck this for me. Yeah. It's frustrating. Oh, all right. That's that's good that's to get that. I saw your tweet though. Watch golf, not football. So that's true. That's, that's, why, that's, that's right. We're, we're here now. to promote golf where real things happen and real <laughs> results happen. And that leads us perfectly into a quick recap, I think, of the waste management. Really fun stuff. But as we sort of alluded to, this is going to be a Tiger-centric podcast. So let's do the waste management, and then we'll preview the Genesis with, of course, the return of Tiger. And then to end the podcast, me and Kev delved into the Tiger rabbit hole and are going to draft the best Tiger things. I'll explain that as it gets closer. But just, you know, for probably my favorite athlete ever. So it's a fun exercise for me. And once you hear some of these stats, I think your mind will be blown like mine is uh, repeatedly, even when I, when I look, um, you know, stuff I think I already knew. Um, but the waste management, I got to start off. Max Homa, terrible role model for kids with his outburst in the bunker. Club I don't yeah. see that. Everybody paints this guy as the good guy, this funny dude, lighthearted. And then you see stuff like that. And it's just, you know, I, I'm te- I've been telling you guys there's some evil see, below. Did you see him on 16? I can't remember if it was Saturday or Sunday. I, I think I want to say it was Saturday. He got down like in the collection area and then tried to chip back up and then it didn't make it and it rolled back and they started chanting one of us in the crowd. Yeah. That was yeah. great as well. That was an overall <laughs> great, great crowd. I thought great, great environment. Um, and watching Rom and Scheffler duel, I know, I know Rom. I don't think really brought his a game the whole weekend still finishes, you know, solo third somehow. Here's a crazy ROM stat that I read today. He's his last nine. So my bad. In his last 19 events, he's been beaten by nine golfers. Um, and here are his finishes uh going backwards. Uh three, seven, one, one, eight, one, four, one, two. And that is a a pretty good stretch. And like I said, I really didn't feel like he had it all going this weekend. And he still is an easy solo third. And honestly, if he had um you know, a, a better, a better run of form. I think he probably duels with Scheffler down the stretch and then who knows, but he is just on a different planet right now. He, um, a couple, I heard a couple guys that had this take today, but it was, um, if you compare Rom and Scheffler, like objectively separately, I think most people would agree that Rom is the better golfer. If you just look at them like objectively talent wise, but every time they seem to go head to head, like Scotty just seems to like, get the better of them and 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 i and you almost like yeah i i just wanted rom to kind of be a little more part of that finish obviously i mean the lead regardless of the leaderboard delivered like if you look at the leaderboard going to sunday like all the names that you want there so everything that we um sort of wanted out of it i think we got and um it was, it was good to see yeah. And, and some, you know, hardcore things for people in our pool and stuff. Like we had our first sort of real cut sweat, I think, of the year where uh, the cut ended up even. It ended up even by exactly 65 golfers. And we were in a scenario where one of my picks, Cam Young, was coming down number 18. And we were in a scenario where if he bogeyed to go from even to plus one, the entire cut moved to plus one and would have saved uh, Patrick Cantlay in our pool and a bunch of other guys that were a plus one. Um, that's the stuff that if you know, you're really grinding and following, you know, he obviously didn't uh, bogey. He ended up parring. So the cut stated, even he gets in Cantlay obviously is a big, uh, a big um, cut this week. And then we had our first of the year uh, change up 
midweek of picks. We, we had one of our members pick Billy Horschel, and then a couple hours later, change his pick to another golfer. I'm not going to give away who it was because it'll you know give away the person, but you always got to stick with your gut. I feel like they tell you that in middle school on the, you know, the cat tests and, and it goes, you know, throughout life, but big mistake moving off your first instinct. Yeah. The cut this, you're right about that. I'm glad that you brought that up. The cut sweat, because um, this was our first like sort of back and forth of you and I just like via text, which was, which was a lot of fun like that. And that's one of the great things about this pool is that like, if you're really following it closely, like on that Friday afternoon, the fact, like the things that you start paying attention to, like just in no world would you care about these things, like anywhere other than like if you're participating in this pool. Like I'm on like the Lucas Glover, like shot tracker, seeing like, okay, if this guy, he's got like a 12 foot putt for par, like if you give him a hundred chances, he probably doesn't make it. And if he misses, there's a real chance the cut goes to plus one and he like absolutely drains it. And I'm like going nuts over that, like because I don't want it to get the plus one. It, it's just. It's just fun, fun stuff to root for and, and just stuff you, of course, like wouldn't care about otherwise for any other reason than being in this pool. So, yeah, definitely good. Figuring out the implications is just cool to me, too. But, yeah, first real cut sweat. And maybe it has something to do with the elevated status, the quote unquote elevated status of this event. Um, and it got some of the big names and maybe, you know, that brought a little more excitement. Um, and, and, you know, we're getting another one this week uh, with with the Genesis and let's, uh, you know, I think I don't have anything else on the waste management. I'm ready to close the book there unless you have any any last thoughts. Yeah. No, nah, that's good. Yep. Cool. On to, on to the Genesis. This is another elevated event uh, as they're being named has drawn in another incredibly strong field. Um, of course, headlined by Tiger Woods, the, the host of this tournament. It, it is, you know, his invitational quote, quote tournament that he'll be uh, returning to the PGA for. Um you know, we're going to get into a lot of the Tiger love. So I want to focus more on, you know, every other golfer in the field for a little bit. Um, this is a, a par 71, 7,300 yards uh, on the shorter side in terms of yardage. But the theme of this week is this is an incredibly difficult track. Um, the cut line uh, for the last decade has been par or worse, um, sort of speaking to how difficult the the, the course plays. Um, it is the bottom in the bottom two in uh, driving accuracy on the entire tour. And it is very low also in greens and regulation uh, hit. So um, very difficult. You're going to see guys scrambling. Um, there, there's actually only three holes on this entire course. They're going to play better than par. So an incredibly different strategy than it's been for the majority of the season where we've seen a lot of courses with birdieable holes. Um, maybe a different strategy going into going into the course and what we're looking for. Um, you see in the same sort of thing when you're looking at Riviera Country Club? Yes. Um, of course, as you mentioned, happy to have Tiger back. Um, it's his invitational, so he does he plays in it every year unless he's injured. Unfortunately, doesn't have the the best course history here. I kind of wish his uh, – you know, we don't have that much Tiger time left. I just kind of wish that he – he, of course, is going to play the majors, um, but I wish – he would like make an appearance on somewhere where he has like a little, I don't want to say, I'm never going to say the tiger doesn't have a chance of winning and I don't want to, yeah. you know, bring down the energy of the pod, but I wish there's a realistic play. thing to say where. Yeah. I, I wish he would. Cause, Cause I feel like he could win like somewhere like pet, like pebble. If we just got, we talked about getting rid of the program. We could we just make like pebble beach, the tiger invitational and then like, you know, give him a realistic chance to win. But 
but regardless of whether he, I mean, if he even makes the cut, I, I think that's a that's a positive performance and something that that'll do, you know, uh, benefit the ratings. But yeah, I'm seeing the same sort of stuff. Definitely tough track. Um, another California spot here, but but just the field is is great again, uh, just like last week. So um, we're looking for those same sort of you know guys, but getting like we saw the great field this week, um, and we see it again, you know last week and this week and this week even on a little bit tougher track it's starting to get into like that sort of mindset of of we feel like we have enough data now and enough guys are like getting these stretches of like good weeks in i i personally am like feeling more confident in my picks i would say just like feeling you know having this sort of recent data that we feel like we can at least learn something from these tournaments now so definitely a positive feeling for sure Right. No crazy weather this weekend to like cancel anything out like we saw at Pebble. And, you know, when you're getting these just like just better golfers overall, like we just know what these guys are about. Like they have careers of sample size where, you know, in some of the earlier events, there were maybe four or five big names. And then after that, you're sort of talking to somebody that's talking about people that are either early in their career or haven't had a ton of success. And you're picking through, you know, just weird events that, to your point, may not correlate to, to real things. Um but some things that I've sort of looked for when I'm thinking about this week specifically, um, not only to pick winners, but to pick people that that aren't going to get cut. Um, I'm sort of looking for a little more conservative and almost uh, picking people that aren't going to put a lot of bogeys on the card. Um, knowing that the cut is going to be over par, uh, I want dudes that are not going to be as volatile, um, that are going to be great at scrambling uh, around the greens. I, I know that's one of the stats that, that sort of correlates to some, uh, some success here. Um, there was a pretty good correlation of course history to, to, to repeated success. Um, and then ball striking as always um, uh, here, especially uh, 75% of the approaches that these guys are going to face are going to be from outside of wedge distance, um, 150 yards and out. So you're going to need ball strikers to hopefully not get in too much trouble around the greens. And then finally, um, I read a correlation between uh, drawers of the golf ball. If you're a righty, right, right to left ball flight being a correlation to some success here. So uh, lefties are more, everybody's, I guess, more prone to play a cut, but lefties that play a cut do well here. And obviously righties that hit a draw uh, do well here. Um, and that can kind of, you know, segue into the the people that I like. Uh, I, I always do them in, in tears. So my favorite that I really like, um, I got two. And I'm going to start off with uh, Rory. Um, and when I think, obviously, right to left ball flight, uh, good around the green, um, great wedge player, great ball striker in general, uh, and in good form, um, this, this is a guy that I like. Uh, I know he made the cut rather easily last week, even though he started uh, two shots off after the first round at the waste management. Um, I know he said traditionally that the waste management, Scottsdale doesn't really fit his quote unquote landing areas. Like a lot of his drive landing areas are not in good spots for that course. Much better course history here in great form. And again, just like so good that it's hard to envision him making enough bogeys to uh, be in danger of missing the cut. And then um, pick number two, uh, Eldrick Woods, um, 100 to one. Uh, and, and here's how I feel about this. If you if you don't put some money on him this week, uh, I don't want you listening to this podcast. Unsubscribe. Never talk to me again. Uh, I don't know if this is a realistic pick, but you have to do it. There, there's only so many attorneys left. 
So take Tiger Woods at 100 to 1 and just feel good about yourself. All right, sorry, we're, we're running out of time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I looked the betting numbers I thought were interesting this week as well because I saw uh, Rom and, and Rory are the two favorites, both over Scotty, which, which is – but I think that I think it speaks to your point, what you mentioned about sort of course fit, and and you're you're spot on with Rory about last week. Like his, I think last week set up if you're a righty much more for a sort of like power fade off the tee, and that's just not him. Like he he put it in the water, I think on a couple holes early, uh, where you can really get in trouble to the left, and he kind of had that hook coming. You know, he, he hits that draw with the driver, and he hooked a couple, and and just got into trouble early. But like you said, like bounced back nicely. And made the cup, so definitely don't mind um, going back to him. A couple other guys, I, I was really impressed with JT. He actually drove it uh, second in the field last weekend, which for him is like crazy. You normally don't. I, I'm very shocking, shocked actually that he drove it that well and didn't. I mean, he, he finished very well. He did, but I thought he would be sort of up like closer to contention. I think he really just did not start making putts at all until um, like late on Sunday, but. Yeah. Um, so he's a guy I'm looking at, like, really like his, uh, sort of recent form there. Um, a couple other guys I'm looking at is, uh, oh, <laughs> these next two, Ed, are gonna, you don't have to cover your ears for, but I got Max Homa. Um, I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. It fits, <laughs> it fits every criteria. I yeah, mean, you're got- supporting just a bad person, but <laughs> bad role model. Yeah, the uh, kids kids don't listen to this pick. Don't behave like he behaves, but <laughs> that's who I'm going with. Uh, he's got the solid course history. I think, uh, you know, he's got the win, obviously, a couple of top ten and the top five. Um, he's, he's game strokes with the putter and approach uh, at both of these events, you know, uh, the last couple of years. And then the next one is another guy Ed doesn't like, I don't think, because of recent history, but that's Will V. Um yeah. <laughs> all 175 pounds or that's right 120 but i don't know what the number is. i don't hate it dude it fits it fits <laughs> yeah yeah and that's everything like i and, and then okay but and you mentioned with your uh description as well it's like t- taking guys who are a little bit more conservative as i'm looking at the better bo- betting board and you're describing that my mind goes instantly to matt fitzpatrick and, and that's the thing about this pool is like you cannot be afraid to go back to some of these guys who just like missed a cut recently or who, who maybe just had one like sort of bad week. So those are definitely two guys I'm looking at for sure. Right. Yeah. I have, I have fits on my like potential picks. I don't know. I, I never know whether he has the firepower to win these tournaments, but I, I just like a guy who's never going to be, you know, four over um, until of course, of course he is when I pick him. Um, but again, extenuating circumstances there. Um, another guy in sort of the mid range. I like Adam Scott. Uh, great course history here, 50 to one uh, putts well on POA greens. Um, another sort of good correlation for him. I like Tommy Fleetwood a lot at 90 to one. Um, again, not a guy I would pick to win outright, but a top five, top 10. Um, I think he he missed the cut last week, but but he is uh, up there um, in sort of all the bogey avoidance stats, as I call them. Just Just not a guy who's going to be too volatile, but birdies are always the issue but i'm, I'm going to sort of count on him to regain some form and also a great right to left um player as a righty so hopefully that fit will, will do something there and then finally as in my sort of mid-tier um i'm going hideki at, at 35 to 1 um again i hate to say the same thing over and over but just super solid 
um, great ball striking and also a great putter uh, on POA as well. Um, and honestly, I just 35 to one, just where he is in the field, just sort of, it's almost like a value play. Again, I don't really see him actually winning the tournament, but I, I bet there's a pretty good price for like top five there or like first round. Um, so I, I sort of hit those more. Love that. So I heard, um, yeah, I, I like a lot of those same guys as well. And I also just want to say, it's been really great to see like some of these like sort of older era guys like back up towards the top, like Jason Day, another solid week last week. Uh, Justin Rose, obviously with the win at Pebble. Ricky with a great week this last week. Like Dude, Ricky's like actually playing some golf now. Yeah. 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 And so the, uh, I heard this question earlier today. Who do you think, are, or the, these guys are talking about, like, uh, who are, like, the top 10 most important guys in golf? So, like, not the best players, obviously, but, like, who golf needs to, like, be good. And I think, of course, like, Tiger's one, Rory's probably two, like, unanimous. But beyond that, I think Ricky is, like, up there, right? Like, he's got to be, like, just have, like, recognizable people who are, like, if he's, like, doing well, like, people are going to tune in and watch, and that's a name that people are going to know. And, unfortunately, he's just, like, falling lost his way for the past I don't even know how long but to see him like get back there and Jason Day is another name like every if you've watched any golf over the past you know 10 to 15 years you know who Jason Day and Justin Rose are so it's good to see these names back just for people to have like recognizable figures towards the top of the leaderboard for sure dude that's a great point and I think the waste management crowd sort of spoke to that a little bit because again I don't really think you're dealing with golf connoisseurs in the stands I think you're dealing with a lot of people who are there to drink and watch some golf and maybe don't know it as in depth but Ricky Fowler steps to the tee like he gets the loudest ovation every single year and I think like that is telling to his stature in the game and I sort of spoke to it but he's he's been bad 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 for years and years but changed his swing entirely, changed his putter entirely, has put together like sort of quietly like a month or so of solid, like real actual competitive golf. Um, I'm certainly looking at him at a guy, as a guy, you know, if he's continually undervalued, um, like he's 60 to one this week. I don't like him there because I just don't think this is a great fit. But like if he's getting some of those numbers at maybe some of these shorter courses, start putting him into play. Um, and to your point, just a guy you love to see um, on the broadcast getting some attention when he does. Um, yeah, I love that. Um, I got two super long shots, um, and then I'm ready to go into tiger mode. Um, I got Taylor Moore at 150 to one and Andrew Putnam at 200 to one. And those guys just strictly for me, uh, on scrambling short game, uh, putting stuff there. Uh, Putnam is a great, a great wedge player, but again, I just don't think those guys have a shot to really win this tournament, but maybe you steal a top 10 out of those guys or, or a random, like first round top five type bet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, a couple of long shots I like. Just some names I saw the pop. Um, Mackenzie Hughes, I always liked. Um, these Canadian guys have seem to be having some success recently. We saw Nick Taylor up at the top of the leaderboard. Uh, and it, I, to his point, too, like he didn't fade really on Sunday. I mean, he, yeah. he didn't do enough to win, obviously, but but I was impressed with how he played. You know, the focus was all on Rahm and uh, Scheffler, and he kind of hung in there. Um and then I actually had – I was on Putnam as well, even though he did burn me earlier this year in the pool. But um, yeah. Better he just here. played – Yeah, he and he just played too solid for like two – what I consider to be like too long of a time, like four to five weeks. And, you know, he's not – he's always going to be that guy who's like kind of down there in the odds, but um, solid player for sure. So I don't mind going back to him either. Yeah, and Kev, we breeze through this, and I'm sure we'll have a ton to discuss next week about it, but I'm really – 
um, you know, speaking to the personality and who's going to be important, that Netflix show on golf full swing drops Wednesday. Um, little did I know they had the first episode for viewing all day yesterday. I had absolutely no idea, but a bunch of people saw it. They said it was great. I did not, unfortunately, but I really so think I was wondering about that. Yeah, I didn't know if it was available to the public or if that was yeah. just something they were doing for like people who were like media members or like a special. It was a like sneak. A it was just available on Netflix, episode one only for okay. yesterday's twenty-four hour period. I, again, I didn't open Netflix yesterday, as I'm sure a lot of people didn't, but I didn't see it. Would have watched it, but just an opportunity, I think, for us to get familiar with some of these young guys and um, hopefully get them more into the pop culture uh, as as a Ricky Fowler, you know, Tiger, obviously on a different planet. Yeah, man, I'm excited for that. A couple like built-in really good storylines. One thing, number one, I'm excited for like the majors is going to be a combination of like these live, obviously live and like PGA yeah. Tour guys. That's just built-in storylines like right there, like without even having to no script, nothing. Like just live versus PGA, the best in the world. And this Netflix like documentary is going to have guys from both tours sort of on it. So I'm I'm excited to kind of like see both sides of that, and definitely excited just for the show in general. Yeah, they super they super lucked it, luck, lucked out into that happening just coincidentally when they were going to put this documentary mm -hmm. out. Um, dude, awesome! That's going to be great. But on to the main event here. Um, let's call it the first annual Tiger Draft. Although, as somebody suggested, we should really just do this every week and name like a little Tiger moment every single week to sort of just get lubricated for the podcast. But the exercise I wanted to do with Kev was we we started off honestly. We were going to pick like draft style, the same way like Barstool does and a few other podcasts do, pick your craziest Tiger stats, the, the ones that you would pick first in a proverbial like like NCAA tournament of, of matchups of crazy stats. And we'll get our picks and we'll pick three. But then Kev opened it up and said, what, what about like moments? Like we Tiger has so many moments. Um, so then we combine those two categories. We got, we got a pool of our favorite Tiger Woods crazy stats and our best moments. And we're going to pick five and just draft our best proverbial teams. And if that ends up being five moments or four, you know, four stats in a moment, that's fine. But just our overall best tiger thing. All right, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to, if, if it's okay with you, defer to you for the first pick and we can just go, you, me, you, me, or if you want me to go first, I'm, I'm happy to do it too, but I'll give you, I'll give you the first pick. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm I'm happy to go first. So this would be my and what are we gonna are we gonna rank? So like this would be my fifth pick. Oh, this I think, would be uh, in my head we have this collective pool, and if I steal one of your picks, that's on you for not taking it early enough. Okay, you know what I'm saying. But I'm saying like uh, so when I make this pick now here is that designated as like my your, oh yeah your best your best pick your number one oh so you want me to stat, watch, okay, so we're, uh, true yeah. draft true like snake draft. yeah true okay. like gym class style drafting process i love it okay so for me okay this is an easy one um most of my tiger moments come like from my from memory right so like i had to have like remembered where i was what i was doing like how it made me feel and and i had to witness it live i think um that that's what sort of for me separated like the elite tiger moments from like, yeah, I know this moment, but I didn't necessarily watch it live or like didn't care about it live. And I saw the highlights after, but um, so for me, it's 100% the, his most recent masters major win. Um, Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Um, 
and and I think it's so many things, but like just the time period in between victories, all the emotional buildup, the the watching him struggle for so many years, and and even like I, I'm gonna speak. I don't want to give this away now because I I think this is gonna come up in my later moments. But the buildup also, like like the year prior, was very special for me as well because you could almost like sense that win was coming. But um, but I remember. So I was on. Uh, I'm gonna. I probably told you this story already, but I was chaperoning. I, I'm an eighth grade and seventh grade math teacher, and we do the Washington D.C. field trip. So we're we're in D.C. I'm I'm chaperoning all these eighth graders, and uh, we're we're going to the Lincoln Memorial. They said this is on the Sunday, like the 2019 Masters, like the afternoon. And I'm like, That's great timing, dude. Yeah, I'm like, okay, this could, this cannot be worse. But like, I have to watch this. I really should have probably been watching kids more closely, but I didn't really care. So I was streaming it on my phone on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. I, I was like, I remember walking down the steps and I'm like, you're going to like probably fall or trip or something. So just have a seat. So I sat down like on the steps and I'm watching like his last hole and just the whole like culmination of like him winning and, and all the emotion that you saw with him. And, and I literally, it, it literally brought a tear to my eye. And if you know me, like same, it, it, it takes, it same. takes a lot for me to get to like that kind of level and have that like kind of passion about anything. Um, but that was really like a special moment for me something I'll never forget. Um, just like, so every, it felt like everybody was rooting for him to get it done. So um, just really special. I'm in the same boat as you. I put, I put myself in my apartment standing up for the entire back nine. And I literally felt like the, the moment was so colossal. Like I just haven't felt tension like that before or since uh, that, that run down the back nine. And I remember it's, I have it written down literally step-by-step step because it was going to be one of mine too. you know, 15, the par five, he's neck and neck with Frankie Molinari at that point, Molinari goes in the water. So it's like, Holy fuck. Like tiger can get a stroke here. He pulls even on 16, the par three, you know, the ball, he hits that high draw. It rolls all the way down, misses the hole by like an inch. The crowd is just nuts. Like gets a birdie there, goes one up his top tracer on that 17th tee shot through that narrow corridor is like just the perfect cut right down the pipe. So like a big relief that that's like, Oh my God, there's only so many opportunities for him to like get in trouble left. And then 18, like, he plays that layup shot almost to the green. Like he plays his second short on purpose. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, are we, is this really going to like, is he going to double bogey this hole? Like, is this, is this, or is this really going to happen? But obviously finishes it out in that putt. Like you said, like full tears, full tears. And it had to be, it, it meant that much. And, and yeah, like, like you said, it really is like, you can put yourself there and feel it and breathe it. It, it was uh, something special. Oh man, it's my number one overall pick too. So I'm glad we're on the same page there. My my number two is a statistic and it goes with this pool. And I think knowing what you know now, it speaks to how crazy this is. 1998 through 2005, Tiger Woods made 142 consecutive cuts. That That is seven PGA tour seasons without having a single round. And I'm going to give myself a, like sort of a cheat code there and give like a corollary stat to that in 2000 in that PGA tour season, Tiger Woods had one round of 73 or better or sorry, 73 or worse, which, you know, sort of signifies he shot worse than par one time the entire season. 
and you know, regardless of how well John Rahm, McElroy, all these guys are playing, Scheffler, to, to picture them not missing a cut for one season or maybe even like six months would be a crazy stretch. Seven seasons of doing that, 142 events, is is for me like just such a mind-bending stat that I think it's it's never going to be broken. It's never going to be approached. Um, I don't know what like the next closest one has been recently, but that for me just may never get touched. Uh, yeah, that that is a great one, and for sure speaks to like you know what we're trying to do here with this pool. I also had that stat pulled up, but I'm glad that you added the years because I wasn't sure what year span he um, did that between. So you said 98 to 2005, which is like of course his his best stretch. And actually, so interesting, I had the same question as you what the you know what second place and third place was after that so second place was byron nelson with 113 jack nicholas made 105 hale irwin irwin in 1975 yeah. 86 um 72 50 is there anyone recent like nobody recent yeah nobody. that's what i no, mean no, no. like we're this is never nobody gonna recent. happen this yeah. is never gonna happen again yeah nobody so um Amazing. Yeah. Just complete. It speaks to the consistency and, and just dominance of, of his era for sure. So incredibly impressive. All right, Kev, you're up. Pick number two. Okay. So for my second pick, I'm going to go with um, Tiger Shot from the 2005 uh, Masters that chip in. Um, yeah, sorry. I don't <laughs> you can't. If you're listening, you can't see Ed's face right now. But I feel like I took another one of his picks. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, this is like one of the most famous, more famous um, Tiger moments for sure of all time. He, um, so he's off the green, kind of like down in a little like collection area, and he just the like the whole build up to the shot is amazing, and the and the crowd is just there's so many people like off the green. And he's like walking around the green, like planning everything out. And you can even see, I really watched the video clip of it today. Like even just as he's about to hit the shot, he, he like is looking at the green and he's like talking to himself, almost like talking himself to the strategy, which is really cool to see. But, um, and the, even the commentate, like the, 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 um, the commentary ahead of time, they're they're talking about it. They'll be like he'll be lucky to even get this like inside the market. But like they're just like kind of naysaying him up to this point. Yeah. And he he hits the shot like I don't I don't know how far left he hits it. Maybe like a good fifteen to twenty feet. But the ball like he he plays the shot and the ball just takes like a ninety degree turn because there's such a steep slope and just starts rolling like completely to the right like down towards the hole and it goes in and it just. The I think this is an important point too that we've brought up because we've brought up in other podcasts about like um, how to get more like viewers and people interested in golf and and every one of these moments that like Ed and I are going to bring up in this podcast I think has two things it has a great call from the commentator number one but it can't be just that every Tiger moment is backed by like an insane crowd reaction like yeah. with people live and like. Yeah going nuts and like those two things together really make it like a special moment and then obviously just like the the you know hugeness of the moment itself but um but yeah that's that's my second one yeah and like you said it 16 the masters final round like coming down the stretch and i looked at that and i remember that as like that was if nike could have created a nike golf commercial if they would have just created that shot in a commercial 
like the ball rolling into the hole, you see that swoosh go all the way around little by little. It's the most unmistakable logo. And you get the full fist pump in the Sunday red with the crowd behind him at the Masters at Augusta. It was just the perfect sports moment and just the the absurdity of the shot. And just, yeah, it was on my list, too. And it's just like it's got to be in Tiger sort of just pop culture, top five moments, most recognizable. Crazy scene. Um, yeah, it, awesome. Just made better by the by the environment that he was in. Um, yeah, I have a uh, I have a full tournament. My number two is going to be the 2000 U.S. Open played at Pebble Beach. Just the entirety of the tournament and his his win. And here's the background and sort of the narrative that I'll give it. There, there's a full documentary that everybody should check out on YouTube just about that exact tournament and, and Tiger's play. And that is just um, you know, for golf fans, I think we're talking like borderline adult content, but even just for like sports fans in general, it's very well done. And to talk, listen to him sort of talk you through that tournament, um, to make a long story short, U.S. Open, traditionally the hardest tournament of the year, um, routinely you're winning that tournament, regardless, of course, at around even negative one, negative two, but a lot of times over par as well. Um, Tiger in that documentary was like, uh, I'm not going to make a bogey the whole week. And that's my goal is that that was his goal of the week, not to win, but just never to bogey a hole um, on a course that played just ridiculously tough. And the final scores of this tournament, uh, something crazy. Tiger Woods won the tournament at 12 under, um, which for a U.S. Open of any kind at any course is not something you ever see. The craziest thing is second place, tied for second place, Ernie Els and Miguel Angel Jimenez at three over. Um. So a 15-shot margin in a major is the largest ever, but just in that major, under those circumstances, to be not only so, like, if it speaks to everybody else on the planet played that course at three over for the week or worse, and there was one person on the planet that played it at 400 times better than that, you know? Um, and if you watch the highlights, it's just absurd. And here's, you know, the last stat that I'll sort of give before I stop nerding out about that. Uh, 72 holes played over the weekend, 110 putts. And, you know, I'm not a math teacher, but that's less than two by a lot um, at a U.S. Open. And that's that's just another just crazy, crazy statistic. So Tiger Woods 2000 uh, Pebble Beach U.S. Open, my number two. Yeah, amazing tournament. And that's one uh, we I sort of brought this up a little bit earlier, but. That's one that was like, for me, I was not really very much into golf at that time. So like, I, that's not one that I watched live at all. I didn't pay attention to it, but one I've definitely gone back and like watched the whole coverage on and learned about it over time. Yeah. And an amazing tournament. Um, and just what his, his dominance at the major um, is like one of the most incredible things about Tiger, just how much there was some of course, of, of course, ones he won very close, but some like he just, came and like dominated for four days straight in, in a way that we really haven't seen again um, since then. So incredibly impressive. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Wow. This is tough. I, I have a couple few in mind, but I think I'm going to go with a stat here. Um, so one of the things we always hear about is Tiger's like incredible um, closing ability. Right. So like when he has a lead, he just doesn't, Give it up. So um, win percentage by outright 54-hole leader on the PGA Tour. Um, 
So this was not last year, but the year before. So if a, any player who had a 54-hole lead going into the tournament won that tournament 26.7% of the time. Which is kind of, which is pretty low, you would I would think you know just it's I think it speaks to like I think we're coming to an era now where like the there, there's just a lot more good players and yeah. people have more of a chance to sort of win these tournaments. You've seen that number sort of drop over the last ten seasons. Um, the fifty-four hole leader going into Sunday has won forty-two point four percent of the time, so almost you know not quite double, but significantly higher there. Tiger Woods um, had forty-six opportunities to be the 54 hole leader and won the tournament 44 percent of the time at 95.7 percent you meant 44 so, out of 46 right 44 out of 46 yeah yeah oh. um so just like insane insane ability to close obviously like you know some of those leads were obviously pretty big i'm sure but some probably by one stroke so like just for him to do it that many times just speaks to his like you know, intimidation factor. This is something that real other PGA Tour players like have alluded to. Like, just playing with him is a completely different, um, you know, sort of thing. It just it, he the attention he draws and and the way he like he carries himself after he hits the shots and and just how you know everything about him um, is very intimidating. So I think that that sort of plays into a lot of his success in those spots. A hundred percent. And you spoke to it. I don't know if I'm like a big like aura. It's tough to define somebody's like aura about them. But then you hear like so many golfers say the exact same thing that when you're with them, there's just like a different presence when you're playing. There's more. It's just harder to perform because of the pressure of just being in his vicinity and watching, you know, like other professional world class athletes geek out about that stuff. Again, I, I say it every single time, but it's just like he's just in a different universe. It's everybody else. Um, all right, my number three, another U.S. Open. It's 2008, his U.S. Open. Uh, and this is going to be most known um, for everybody else as the U.S. Open that he won on a tour ACL um, for the majority of the tournament, including the entire uh, playoff round that he had to play. Um, if you watch the, the highlights back, um, you'll see him limping pretty heavily after every single shot. Um, everybody knew he was injured. He was sort of playing it off as a muscle pull, but after the fact, it finds out he had some fracture and yeah, a torn ACL, which, you know, required major reconstructive surgery. Um, and twisting on that is no, no joke. Um, but again, another clutch moment. Uh, I, I know where I was. I was on a golf trip with, with my brother and my dad watching in our hotel room. And I picture that 18th shot. It's a, that, sorry, that 18th hole where he needs a birdie to tie, uh, Rocco mediate. Uh, at that point, um, who's in the clubhouse with a one-shot lead, and he plays his second shot to like probably 15, 16 feet. Um, and I just felt like walking up to that, like as he's walking up on the screen, like I'm just I'm assuming that he's going to make it because that's what he does. And you know, we have to have a playoff and Tiger has to win because Tiger wins. Um, and he obviously does make it, and it's a crazy moment, and it's another one of his like iconic, you know, big clutch moments, big fist pump. Um, but I remember distinctly on the broadcast, I'm watching and they cut to Rocco mediate and Tiger drains it. And he just looks at the camera. I don't know if he did it on purpose or what, if he's just playing, but he says, shit, I knew he'd make it. I knew he'd make it. And this is a guy who like, 
for him to know that too is tough and to have to play this dude like i just it didn't matter what tiger was going through the next day i just you knew he was going to pull that out and again not in a one hole playoff like us open full 18 hole playoff on a monday on one leg and he ended up prevailing and and just um that to me is just speaks to again just his another you know legendary tale like larger than life tale about this dude um but yeah, another major story and one that sticks with me uh, because of where I was. But then that dude is just just tough as shit, too. So, yeah, yeah a few uh, uh, iconic things that stand out about them, because I did. I rewatched the video from that one as well. And please, like, if you don't if you if you haven't seen these video clips, like we can talk about it. And but it doesn't really do it justice until you go watch. But as Ed spoke about, like they, they do cut to like Rocco's face in that time. And it's, it's just over. like a look it's of over. defeat, yeah. And yeah. even even so, as Ed spoke about, he had, Tiger has the the um the the putt to force the playoff, which I think he said is like twelve to fifteen feet, whatever it is. The celebration after he makes just that putt, the crowd is going absolutely nuts. And for him, for Rocco to like have to walk back out of the clubhouse and then then play the playoff hole after that, like it seemed like this kind of celebration that you watch, it's like the the tournament's already over. Like it just just incredibly uh, special stuff. So, um, and I and I also saw a clip. They they said something. Um, Stevie Williams gave like a comment about you know it was, they showed the, the clip of Tiger t- uh, tearing his ACL. He's on the car path. He hits that shot and his his yeah. back leg like slides out. And uh, the, the whoever was like commentating just said I just heard a crunch and like his knee was gone. And um, Stevie had a comment to Tiger or something. I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of like, you know, maybe we should think like more long term, like think about pulling out of this. Like, I don't know if you have it. And Tiger was basically like, no, like, fuck you. I'm going to win this tournament. And then, yeah. of course, like went on to do, <laughs> to do it, which is obviously really cool as well. But yeah. All right, dude. On to you, number four. Okay, my number four. Let me see. Okay, so this one is going to be um, sort of not like an iconic Tiger moment that will sort of resonate, I don't think, with a lot of people, but it was a very special moment for me. And I spoke before with the 2019 Masters about the buildup to that win. So this I was I know the, we were going with this. Yeah. So this yeah. was the summer before um, Tiger is playing in the PGA Championship at Bell Reef. Um, and he's coming sort of down the stretch, um, just playing like super well. And and he he had had like a good run of like, you know, this season for him was like it was like a solid season. Like you could tell he was back to like playing good golf and you're just like wanting and hoping and everything is like hopefully like turning to like a big win, but you just don't know, honestly, if it's ever going to come. Cause like, it's very obviously difficult to win on the, on the PGA tour and talking about, talking about memories. I can remember specifically where I was. I don't remember if it was on Saturday or the Sunday. I want to say it was the Sunday morning, but I remember I was sitting in my apartment in New Jersey watching in the morning. And I remember, I don't know if I've ever brought this up with you, but I remember I, I follow Ed on Twitter, which by the way, if you don't follow him on Twitter, it's great. Oh, follow. please don't. don't give him a follow. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I remember you tweeting, if a tiger got off like a good start on that one, on that, uh, I think I'm going to say it was the Sunday. And uh, I remember you saying, if he makes one more birdie, I'm going to crack a beater. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> and I just remember reading that tweet, and I was like, ah. I was like, yeah, me too. I was like watching and just, like, but every, I was just like wanting him to win so badly, and he ends up coming in second to Brooks Kepka, but he goes on later that summer to win the Tour Championship, and then of course the Masters like the following spring. But the, it was just all the emotion of like him being so close to another major and, and not getting there, and. And I, I just felt, felt like so many people were rooting for him. And then for it to happen then again that next spring, I just felt like it was such a um, great, like, six-month span of, like, couldn't have played out more perfectly. Yeah, the walk up the fairway in that tournament, if I remember correctly, stuff of memory to him and Brooks walking up and, like, the whole crowd is behind them. Just, like, stuff yes. again, you just don't see without him in the mix. Yeah. It's crazy. All right, I love that. My number four is a Tiger statistic. Um, it's one of my personal favorites. Um, but between 2002 and 2005, a three-year stretch, Tiger Woods faced 1,543 putts from inside three feet. Uh, he missed three of those 1,543 putts in three years. And I... That, like, you know, three feet is not a long way. I understand that. Um, but these are not all, like, just straight three-footers. Like, there's obviously movement in some of these 1,500 putts. There is obviously some different different stakes that you're under. Um, and this is on tour, so every stroke is obviously very important. To miss basically one putt a year from inside three feet from that stretch, just as a as a player who has struggled with putting especially close before um yeah that that just always blows my mind when i look at it and it's not emotional or whatever and i don't have a specific one of those three footers that really mattered to me during that time but that's that i just read and when you really think about it it just it explodes me every single time it's nuts yeah, I love that one. I had that one as well. Um, and I, there's a couple things I love about it. Number one, a three-foot putt. Every Everyone who has ever, like, played golf, either you're, like, a young kid, like, you know, if you're, if you're aging a little bit, everyone can make a three-foot putt, right? That's like, right. It's, in your, it's in your ability to do that. But, like, the most people don't even take three-foot putts, right? Like, you're <laughs> either giving yourself, like, the gimme. Or That's you're right. doing, or you're doing like the funny, to quote our good friend Kevin Harrington, the funny part on the three foot, yeah. where you're just like, yeah, I'll just like do it with one foot forward. Because like, it's in either way, there. you know, like right. it'll it's go good. in most it's of good. the time because yeah, it's, it's short, good. but it's it's in in. You know? Like if you want to actually sit there like and line up like ten three foot putts, like most people aren't making like even eight out of ten that way. Like you're just gonna miss something. It's, it's just yeah. gonna happen. Right. And so like for that level of consistency is just absolutely to not have any kind of like mental lapse in that right. long of a stretch yeah, these aren't definitely. even all majors and for him like obviously every tournament's important but like i you know there is some natural letdown when you're tiger woods and you're playing the freaking you know pro-am in february you know gearing up for right. major season and still just no letdown no lack of execution ever well three right. times and right. you know even jesus fell three times so let's cut the guy some slack all right amen amen yeah. okay uh this number five for me yeah okay. last and final okay i really like this last one it is uh definitely like a probably lesser little lesser known moment but um so 
This was at the 1997 Waste Management Phoenix Open. So I like this one because, of course, it resonates like very much recent. Obviously, we just saw the Waste Management Phoenix Open. So this takes place on the, the iconic 16th hole, uh, which if you watched at all this weekend, I'm sure you saw. So this one in, back in 97 was before they had like the full um, stadium course like set up. So they didn't have the stadiums all there. Um, but it, it, if you get a chance, go back and watch this clip because it is amazing. The call and the crowd is that the crowd. First of all, the crowd is absolutely huge. Even without the stadium set up, they're just standing right. on the ground and everyone's there. The camera angle is from behind the tee box. So Tiger's on the tee. And I, I've heard this audio clip a million times because uh, one of the shows I listen to uses it as like their intro. But it, it goes like that. Basically, they, the, the, the commentator is like calling out Tiger's shot. He's like, Tiger's got 152, 152 yards. Should It'll be a, a nice, nice easy nine iron. Yeah, yeah, nice comfortable nine iron for him. Yeah. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. And then, like, he finishes that sentence and he, like, makes contact. And they do. They, like, go nuts. And the commentators call from there, like, this ball takes one skip and goes right in the hole. And, like, he goes nuts. And, like, to my point before, it, like, it's the commentators call and it's the Pandemonium. The crowd. Yeah. yeah. And everyone is just going crazy. So just like, and, and the, the other nice thing is like without the stadium setup in the camera angle, you get like the beautiful view of the, like the mountains in the backdrop, which like, if you saw it this yeah. weekend, the stadium, you like blocks that a little bit, but it's just like every like picturesque thing just coming together. Just a great moment. Yep. I love that. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's a very, uh, if you're in the golf Instagram, which I mean, that's all that Instagram feeds me. Like you hear that, that commentary on so many clips, just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this. And then it's some dude, fl you know, flubbing it two inches, but I know what you're talking about. Very iconic. All right. My last one, number 10 is, uh, you know, tiger isn't a perfect human, but this is a, this is an incredible statistic. Nonetheless, uh, Tiger's current net worth is $1.1 billion. And Tiger lost half that. That's my crazy statistic. Is Tiger got divorced, lost half of his money, and still clears $1.1 billion in net worth. And that's the crazy statistic. But it got me going down sort of a rabbit hole. And I had a big discussion tonight with my wife because she's in marketing. Why is Tiger so... Like, I, I don't know if it's just maybe him and Jordan that are like this next level of of fame and pop culture. I don't. Why is he so, so, so crazy marketable as a golfer that in a sport that nobody plays? And I sort of had some some crazy, you know, ideas. And I don't know if it's more I focus on the sports and Again, my wife is very good at marketing. So I asked her just like her, you know, her non-sports opinion, like, why is this happening? And she didn't really know and, and didn't have ideas that I agreed with, but she sort of thought it was just like his sheer dominance. But then I think about that and I'm like, oh man, there are like a lot of dominant athletes. Like Brady's dominant. Brady's not a billion dollar industry. Like he's not this much of a needle mover. Um, and maybe it's not just the net worth. Um, yeah, I sort of used the stat to sort of get into this last Tiger conversation of like, why? Like he is, he is an icon that, I, like I said, I think is just up with Jordan that, you know, I don't think LeBron moves the needle like this. I don't think Brady moves the needle like this. Mahomes, whoever, why, why like this? And I think there was a funny, uh, there was a funny joke that, uh, you know, Tiger sent his tweet out. That's like, uh, I've, you know, I've just, I feel like playing a PGA event or whatever he said to come back. 
And somebody was like, kind of, I want to congratulate Tiger Woods on locking up the 2023 player impact program prize, you know, with that one tweet right there. Yeah, but it's true. Like he, you know, yeah. he doesn't even play and just wins like the tour's quote unquote most impactful player. And he is obviously and, and moves the needle in the ratings, like the, just the objective ratings like nobody else. But why did this happen? Why did this all happen like this? Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to put your finger on like what exactly it is, because it's, it's I don't think we can say it's just golf success. Right. Because like nobody like, of course, nobody's really experienced as much golf success as he has of course like in this like era so but but people have had success and like people don't get excited about it. like other other players have had success and people are not excited by it right so it's not that it's it's it is his success but it's in that in combination with other things it's um the way and i don't know if he was like the first to do this but the way he like came out and like talked to the media i think was very unique um just his like confidence and saying that like i think they want they so much wanted him to be like more humble and not humble but like not honest about wanting to win and like how competitive he was and he would never shied away from like comments like that like he there's a there's a famous interview uh, i can't i'm blanking on which PGA tour player it was, but he gets interviewed by like a um somebody who like won a little bit in the 90s. I'm blanking on the name now, but um he was basically trying to nudge Tiger along and saying, like, oh, like you're not it, you're like you're on tour now, like you can't expect to win every time. Like second and third might be like good enough for you. You know, like might you have to might like settle for that. And he and Tiger was like, this, and he was like, that's fine, but like, I, but I, I want to win every time I come out. And the guy like ends the segment by going like, uh, he's like, that's you'll learn, guess. you'll learn, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, and they, I think, cut, they cut back to it, yeah. Like, and then and then I think like people were like, wow, like that's he really shouldn't be saying that stuff. But then he like, of course, goes out and like backs it up, and his celebrations on the court and on, on the court on the course and like. just everything he was like in the moment um i think it was a combination of all that i guess yeah it's hard to say when i when i boiled down to just one factor for me at least i just think he broke he broke golf like he was just everything at that point i think golf wasn't and to your point was very we'll call it brash but like looking back he just said he wanted to win all the time and like that's what he wanted to do and did obviously um but at that point uh you know the biggest putt in the world was still like a quiet golf clap you know you class it up you go in the hole whatever and tiger celebrated big fist pump big you know yeah like exclaiming after shots twirling clubs like doing all this stuff and i feel like he was just everything that golf wasn't and needed to be to appeal to anybody but like rich country club guys um And I know like I wasn't super into golf until I watched Tiger, but like Tiger made golf cool. Like I wanted to go do that because Tiger did it and made it look so awesome. Hit the ball past everybody, played these crazy shots. Um, There are so many, like if you just Google or get in the rabbit hole of like craziest Tiger Wood shots, like some of the the angles and the, the movement on the ball that he plays. But then again, twirling the club and having the balls to play all this stuff. But then 
winning every single time too. Like obviously all the substance is nothing without actual, you know, something behind or all, sorry, all the image isn't something with actual you know, material behind it. And he backed that up too. And I just like, I struggle to, I struggle to imagine a scenario where any athlete in any sport can change it like he can and do that. Like, I just think, you know, he's a night, like Nike wasn't golf. Golf wasn't mainstream. Like, yeah, it just, it just became awesome. Still yeah, is awesome. I don't. I don't think there was anything like. There's. Not, I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Because like, he. You're gonna say he was just the first one to come out and say like, I want. No, I want to win all these tournaments. Yeah. And just because like, even if he had come out and not won them, it doesn't change the fact like, you okay? You're telling me the rest of you are into these tournaments and not wanting to win. Right. No, but like you can't say that. Like I, like I, everyone that enters the tournament wants to win. I think right. Like I yeah. think you just like there's just to be honest about that. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're like brag. You're like bragging or right. or, or um or arrogant, right? Yeah. Like you're just you you want to win because you're competing as a professional yeah. athlete. Like it's not that like. It was like, statement. Like, like, do you have to earn? Like, I wonder if it was like just a real. Like, do you have to like earn? That's what I think like, it was. Like, I think, playing? like you have to earn. I think these right like older guys, these like guys who had like, this. Yeah. yeah, I think they were like more deck. Like these more like guys who had won a couple times were like, well, how dare he like think that he can win already? Like he's got to earn his stripes, and like that just obviously was so far from the case. But right, right, all right, dude, I gotta. I love this shit. So I'm just going to empty out the bag super quick without going through just some crazy other ones that I really like about Tiger. Uh, you know, one of the rare people, five back surgeries, five knee surgeries, pretty crazy to still be playing after that. Um, never missed a cut at the masters, which is pretty impressive, which I hope continues. Here's another, this is like my first one out. I'll say um, from 97 to 2009, uh, at majors only, there is one golfer within 250 strokes of him during that time period. It's Phil Mickelson, who also is very good. And like I said, 250 strokes is is quite a bit. Um, yeah, just, I love this dude. Like golf feels important. Like I'm, you know, I don't think I don't think it's realistic to suggest this dude's going to come back. And it's just he's just looked too limited physically to to contend like that. But I'm super excited to see him back out and starting, you know, his indoor league and getting back to playing. And if if I can just see him play for, you know, for a couple more years at just majors, that'd be great. But oh my God, I would give I'd give a lot to see one more major win. And I don't know. I don't know if it's gonna happen. Like realistically, it's pretty tough to say that has a real like you know an yeah. actual chance. I have uh I have my first one out as well. This was another stat that I saw that I loved. It says uh in the last 60 years, there are three instances of a player winning five or more PGA starts in a row, which like to think about in this day, like current era, winning five tournaments in a row is like absurd <laughs> to even think about. I mean, so you heard that ROM run I just railed off, which is nuts. Like, yeah, there's two in a row even, one time, uh, which is nuts. Right. Like, uh, yeah. If, if, right. If someone wins back to back now, it's like a huge story. Yeah. So this is five, five or more in a row. Three people. Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods, and Tiger Woods. So, oh. he, won, <laughs> so he won seven. I, and I don't. I wish I had the dates on these, but I don't. So he won five. He's won five tournaments in a row, six tournaments in a row. I'm, I'm, these are on separate occasions, and then and seven tournaments in a row. All Jesus on Christ occasions. Almighty, man! Yeah, which is which is just absurd. Um, but yeah, to think to think of that like run of dominance is just 
off the charts. All right, dude. That's crazy. That's crazy. We're running out of time in our second Zoom now. To keep everybody behind the curtain. We're on we Zoom thought, number two to try to get this We off. thought we were safe. We did the double 40 minutes, but maybe not. But good Lord. All right. So this is going to be a long one, I'm sure, when we cut it down. But it's necessary. Like, this is just, you know, time is finite with this dude, like, at least on the PGA Tour. And like I said, I hope his golf career extends, um, you know, in more, like, primetime stuff like he does, uh, you know, sometimes in, like, those matches. But we got to enjoy these. You know, there's, there's you know, not a lot left. Uh, and here's one of them. So happy watching. Uh, enjoy picking. I'd love to see somebody pull out a T. Woods uh, in the email this week. Although, like, I don't know if that's great. But um, either way, another great weekend. Got anything else? Good to wrap it no, up. No, I think, I think we're good to go. Yeah, this was fun. All right, dude. Awesome. Awesome, man. All right. All right. Peace. Yeah.